Welcome to the Anonymous Podcast. I'm Douglas L., your host. You can now contact me directly via text, 919-675-1058. That's 919-675-1058. Or join our Facebook group at the Anon Podcast. That's T-H-E-A-N-O-N-P-O-D-C-A-S-T to fellowship with other guests. This podcast aims to be a commentary and discussion of Narcotics Anonymous literature, aiming to enrich the recovery experience of those who are on this beautiful journey. This podcast should not replace contact with your sponsor, your involvement with Stepwork, or participation in the fellowship. Please use this podcast as another resource toward our collective growth as addicts in recovery. We're simply addicts seeking recovery. Nothing more, and for sure, nothing less. Now let's get started. My name is Nick, and I'm an addict. August 12th. Something inside cries out, enough, enough, I've had enough. And then they are ready to take that first and often most difficult step toward dealing with their disease. Have we really had enough? This is the crucial question we must ask ourselves as we prepare to work the first step in Narcotics Anonymous. It doesn't matter whether or not we arrived in NA with our families intact. Our career is still working for us and all the outward appearances of wholeness. All that matters is that we have reached an emotional and spiritual bottom that precludes our return to active addiction. If we have, we will be truly ready to go to any lengths to quit using. When we inventory our powerlessness, we ask ourselves some simple questions. Can I control my use of drugs in any form? What incidences have occurred as a result of my drug use that I didn't want to happen? How is my life unmanageable? Do I believe in my heart that I am an addict? If the answers to these questions lead us to the doors of Narcotics Anonymous, then we are ready to move on to the next step toward a life free from active addiction. If we have truly had enough, then we will be willing to go to any lengths to find recovery. Just for today, I admit that I have had enough. I am ready to work my first step. In today's episode, we'll discuss the Just For Today meditation with our guest, Samantha B. Hey, Samantha, welcome to the Anonymous Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. All right, yeah, glad you could be here. Samantha, could you tell us your clean date, where you attend meetings, and could you give your home group a shout out? Yeah, so my clean date is August 25th, 2016, uh, coming up on four years here shortly. Uh, before COVID, I was attending meetings throughout the Raleigh area. Um, I'd love to give my home group a shout out. Uh, we're the Sunday Serenity Group, and we meet every Sunday from 5.30 to 6.30. Right now, we're meeting through Zoom, so if anyone listening wants the info, just let me know um, when, under normal circumstances, we meet at Beth Meyer Synagogue, which is off of Newton Road in Raleigh. Okay, fabulous. And now let's transition into the Just For Today meditation. So, Samantha, can you share your thoughts on enough? Yeah. Um, so, I thought this JFT was super fitting. Um, especially because I'm coming up on my anniversary and I've been doing a lot of reminiscing um, and everything I'm about to say is just to show um, how powerless and broken I was because of my addiction before I got clean and to kind of outline how I reached my emotional and spiritual bottom. Um, there's obviously nothing glamorous or fun about it. Um, so here we go. Um, so this time around was not my first time trying to get clean. Um, I tried to get clean on and off since I was 17, which was in 2008. 
Um, I knew what the rooms were. I've been in and out of them. Uh, and I went to rehab several times, uh, but I just wasn't ready. I'd hit my bottom, started hitting my bottom months before I decided to get clean, but I just kept going until it was really just a true matter of life or death. I was actually sharing in my home group last night that it wasn't like I had months left to live. It was more like I had weeks left to live at that point. Um, and here's some backstory kind of leading up to my surrender um, a couple months before. Uh, so I was living in Asheville at the time. Um, I was in a, an abusive relationship for about almost six years. Uh, he actually passed away in 2018 because of the disease. Um, he ended up going to rehab. Um, and then almost as soon as he left, my life fell apart even more than it already was. I had no idea how to be alone. So it was easier for me to be with someone who was abusive than to be alone in my own head. Uh, so I had relapsed on my old drug of choice, which was heroin, and I rode that way for a month or so. Uh, somehow I was able to finish that current semester I was in at UNCA. Um, I got into an argument with the girl that I was getting my stuff from, so I used the worst judgment of all time, went downtown to go find someone I could buy something from, uh, found a guy who didn't have what I wanted, um, but he said he had something that would keep me from getting sick. Um, that thing was meth and that my life totally spiraled down um, more than I ever had in my life previous to that. Uh, within a week of using, I lost my job, stopped eating, stopped taking care of myself physically, uh, began to start that process of losing contact with my family, friends, everybody. Um, the guy had mental illness on top of his addiction, just like I did. So it was a super dangerous situation. Uh, he was abusive, but in a different way. Um, he never laid hands on me, but he was like mentally abusive. Um, and also, like, he took my phone, wouldn't let me leave um, wherever we were staying, wouldn't let me go anywhere without him, wouldn't let me communicate with anyone, uh, separated me from my dog and cat, um, and just, like, kept on feeding me drugs to keep me there. So it was a really sick and a really scary situation. Um, I ended up getting arrested on July 2nd or 3rd of 2016. I can't remember which day it was, honestly. Um, I had, like, six run-ins uh, with the cops before that, not getting arrested. Um, that was within two weeks prior to the arrest, um, so they were super sick of me at that point. Uh, despite my arrest and going to the hospital the next day, didn't stop me. Um, at that point, I was just fully in a drug-induced psychosis. Uh, my parents, thankfully, were able to take my pets and bring them back to the Raleigh area um, where they were living. Um, I went to the psych unit, but I was so out of my mind, I wasn't making rational decisions. Um, I was hallucinating all the time, paranoid, didn't look like myself. I was like a shell of a human. Um, my parents really tried to get me to go to rehab, um, but I actually ended up convincing the doctors to just let me leave. Um, I ran amok for almost uh, about another month after that, and everything just kept getting worse. I was living in hotels, in my car, on couches, in the woods. Uh, the same guy was just controlling everything, and he really had me convinced that he was going to kill me. Um, and since I was still in that psychosis, like nothing made sense anyway. Wasn't sleeping, wasn't eating, just dying. Uh, my emotional bottom was reached well before I checked into the hospital. I hadn't been on my psych meds for a long time, so on top of my addiction, I was also out of my mind. Um, I was depressed. Um, whether it was, you know, coming down made me depressed, losing my family made me depressed. Uh, there were so many times I just wanted to run back to Raleigh, to my parents' house, but I just couldn't do it. I was so ashamed, and my thoughts were so scrambled that I just, I couldn't put a plan together to get back. Uh, Losing my pets was depressing. Um, at the time, I had one dog and one cat. I now have two of each. Um, but I carried around the stuffed trout that my dog had, um, and I just kept it in my backpack. And like I held it all the time because I just missed that so much. Um, 
and I felt like so much, but nothing at the same time, kind of hard to describe. It was just like a terrible, weird feeling. Um, my spiritual bottom was also reached uh, long before I walked through those hospital doors. Um, I never really had any sort of spirituality. I stopped believing in God when I was around five years old. Um, and I had always struggled with the concept of a higher power. So I was kind of always spiritually dead inside. Um, Anyway, so finally on August 25th of 2016, I made it to the hospital uh, for the last time. I had run away from that guy. I left my car and all of my belongings with him. Um, my wonderful parents helped me get my car back, but literally everything I owned was gone. I had nothing. Um, I checked into the hospital. It was 88 pounds. I looked like walking death. Um, in the just for today, there are some questions um, that they said we should ask ourselves. Um, so I, could I control my drug use in any form? Nope. Um, what incidents have occurred as a result of my drug use that I didn't want to happen? Um, basically everything I just mentioned. Um, I was alone, no family, no nothing. Um, how is my life unmanageable in every way possible? Homeless, no money, no clothing, no family, no pets, nothing. Um, and did I believe in my heart that I was an addict? Yeah. Um, I knew since I was 17 that I was an addict. I just didn't want to do anything about it. Um, so the answers to the questions definitely led me back to the rooms of NA um, and straight to rehab once I was able to leave the hospital. Um, the difference this time around was that I was finally able to admit to myself that I was powerless over my addiction. Um, I said I was powerless time and time again to others because that's what they wanted to hear. But even though I knew I was an addict, I always believed that lie that I could find a way to control it and use successfully. Uh, but as we know, there's no such thing. Um, I tried, had to get my emotions under control, so getting back on my meds, going to meetings regularly, being honest with myself and everyone around me, with my sponsor and the people in the rooms, going to therapy. Um, my spirituality was harder to grasp. Um, I first tried to do NA for the agnostic atheists, but that didn't work at all. Um, I now use the universe or universal force as my higher power. Um, all I know is it's bigger and more powerful than I am. And that's all I really need to know to remind myself that I'm not the one who's calling the shots all the time. Um, yeah, so life is much better now because of that. And uh, that's what I've got to say on that. Hey, Samantha. So thank you for, you know, thank you for being so transparent. And, and um, it's just, you know, like my spirit responds to a lot of the things that you're, that you're talking about. And, and um, yeah, I got clean in 2000. I was 16. And so when, when you said that, you know, you had came in at the age of 17, um, I always feel a special bond with people who try to get clean at, at a young age. And I really feel fortunate. I was able to, you know, to surrender at the age of 16 because I watch people like us and, uh, in the road that they, that they continued to go on. And, um, uh, and, and I identify with what you said when you hit, when you said that you had, um, you didn't have months, you had weeks. And I, and I can really identify with that because if I didn't, I got clean March 12th, 2000. And I really feel like that next week was, was going to be my last week if I didn't get clean when I did. So, so, and, and I'm sure our listeners are identifying with that. One question I have is, is could you, could you share with, with me and, and the listeners here, what, what are some of the main things that you're doing different this time? I know, I know that you listed off a few things, but could you could you tell us what the application looks like? Um, some things that maybe you weren't willing to do or that you didn't do when you came in at 17. Now that you're willing, does that you know that you're doing now? So does that look like regular calls to a sponsor? 
um, your meeting attendance, uh, step work. Could you, could you um, kind of dive into that? Yeah, sure. Um, so this time around, um, when I first got out of rehab and came back, um, I went to 90 meetings in 90 days, which is what I never did that before. Um, sometimes I was even going to more than one meeting in a day, depending on how kind of frazzled I was. Um, I got phone numbers from women, which is something I was never willing to do because I thought that I was so different. I didn't want to be friends or talk to anybody who was in the rooms with me. Um, I got a sponsor. Um, I started working the steps and an honest working of the steps. Um, I had mm. started working the steps once before, but um, I just was doing it without really putting much thought or heart into it and just writing it because I needed to get through the steps for the program um, that I was program that I was in. Um, so, um, and calling my sponsor, um, something that I'm not great at still, um, but definitely do when, because the times when I know that I don't want to call my sponsor, it's the times that I need to call my sponsor. Just like when I don't feel like going to a meeting is probably when I need to go. Um, and just being honest and, and trying to share, um, as much as possible in meetings. Um, even when I'm scared to say something, um, just being honest because I would sit in meetings in the past and not say anything or just say superficial things, but that didn't work. Um, and then just asking for help. Um, I was never willing to ask for help. I thought that I would be able to do it on my own, but what I was doing obviously didn't work. So just a combination of all those things. Yeah. So really like you, just to be an inactive participant in the program is what it yeah. sounds like. And so, so Samantha, two things I'd like to dig into. So number one, if you're, if you're afraid, if you're feeling this fear, you know, at a meeting and you, you know that you need to share, um, but you, you know, you're a little apprehensive. And, and so if we have some listeners who are saying, yep, that's me, I want to go and I want to kick all this stuff out. I know it's time for me to open my mouth and get in there and share but I'm just, um, I'm afraid of, and you know, that laundry list, what are people going to think? Am I going to sound stupid? You know, blah, blah, blah. So, um, could you share, how do you, how do you make that transition from saying, okay, I'm paralyzed with fear and I'm not going to say anything to, all right, I'm going to feel this fear. I'm going to push through it and boom, here I am. So could you, could you share on that? And then after that, if you could jump into this universal source that you're using as, as a higher power, um, and could, could, could you expand on that and, and let us know how you work those steps and, and, and come to rely on this, the universe? Yeah. Um, so when it comes to sharing in meetings, um, because I have social social anxiety on top of just being, I was being afraid to just say things. I thought I was crazier than everyone or no one would understand, but it sounds cliche, but they're really isn't something that happened to me that didn't happen to somebody else one way or the other. Like somebody in the room related to something I said all the time, no matter what it was. Um, right. So kind of realizing that um, and really just knowing that I was going to stay sick unless I said what was inside of me and bothering me. Um, mm -hmm. Staying quiet didn't work. Um, so it was just really just, you know, white you know, putting my hands and grabbing the chair and just blurting it out and um even if it was jumbled and didn't really or i thought it didn't really make sense um it honestly people told me it made more sense than i thought it made um but just saying whatever came to my mind and what i needed to say and um 
if you're in the right meetings, people are going to understand that and they're going to want to talk to you after um, and kind of help you through it. And even if you're like, this is, I only have a few things I can say in a group, but um, if somebody I can talk to after about it, like you don't have to share everything all at once. You can kind of just let people know where you're at because um, everybody had to start in the beginning. And um, so people kind of, everyone understands that or most people do. Um, the universal force, um, it kind of started. So when I was living in Asheville, trying to get clean before I'd started to use the mountains as my higher power, because it was something that was bigger than me, um, that I could just look at physically and stare at them and just kind of try to meditate and be at peace while looking at them. Um, so it started forming then, um, and then it kind of just transitioned to the force that I talk about, which is just, I mean, we can even see it in like a negative way, I guess, but like with what's going on, like with nature and everything right now, like it feels like with the virus and the earthquake we just had and everything that's going on, like maybe the earth is trying to tell us something about what's going on. So just listening to the cues of what's going on around me um, and just realizing that there is this force that kind of pushes and guides everything. Um, and it's something that I'm always learning more about and always trying to understand more about um, because it changes sometimes. Um, sometimes I feel more connected with it one day than I do other days. Um, and it's really just being able to, like being in nature really helps me. Um, meditating in nature is a huge part for me with that. Um, whether it's just going on, not like sitting there and necessarily closing my eyes, um, but going on a walk and being silent um, with my dogs or just sitting outside and staring at the woods. Um, just, you know, using that force of what's here around us and has the creation all around us, I guess, is what I've been mm -hmm. trying to use, if that makes sense. Um, and when it comes to step work um, and using that, at first I was a little hesitant to because I didn't know if people would take me seriously. Um, and then I realized that, well, my sponsor also said that it didn't matter if people took me seriously with that as long as it worked for me and uh, working the steps, then <laughs> that was fine. Um, and, you know, she didn't need to understand it. If, um, and she, en she ended up understanding it, but, you know, she was like, I don't need to understand it. No one needs to understand it as long as you do and it works for you. Um, that's the best thing for you. And it really helped me go through the steps um, because uh, basically before that, when I tried to go through the steps, I was lying because I didn't have a higher power. So, you know, everything was just like, um, you know, step two was just a lie and everything was a lie because I didn't have that connection. So now going through it, honestly, um, I was able to do more work on myself and dig deeper um, and actually feel like I was accomplishing something when I was working on the steps, not just getting through it to say I did them. No, that's beautiful, Samantha, and good. And, you know, uh, it sounds like that you have the right sponsor and, and those words are perfect. And and also just to add on to that, and I kind of chuckle whenever I hear other people say this, it's none of our business what others think of us, right? So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's something that helps me out sometimes too. And, you know, in, in, in like where I'm at with that, getting clean, um, you know, I, I, I was really in touch with this negative force, you know, because I looked at how my life was controlled um, by drugs and the things that I would do that I just absolutely didn't want to partake in. Um, and I just looked at myself and was like, you know what, there, there's definitely a, a, a lower power. And then, you know, when the guys broke it down to me, 12 step me, it was like, look, you know, we, we were definitely surrendered to, to a lower power and there's a loving higher power 
um, it just kind of clicked in me and, and it made it easy for me to, to, to kind of understand looking at it that way. So, and, and you stirred those feelings up um, as you were talking. So thank you for your transparency, Samantha. We're, we're at the time now where we're going to pivot into the last question of the episode. I'd like to ask all the guests who come on this, this one question. So Samantha, uh, you're coming up on four years. If you could go back and talk to yourself, so talk to Samantha with one day clean, could you share with us what you would pour into her? Yeah. Uh, oh, good question. Um, with one day clean, I was still in a psychosis. Um, so I was scared. I was still confused. I would go into a meeting and just like shake and curl into a ball because I was so afraid. Um, so really just telling myself that it will be okay. Uh, just take deep breaths and that just keep, showing up and keep talking um, and that it does get better. It's not just, you know, every, all the things that we hear um, people say in meetings, you know, they're true. People just don't say them because they sound good. They actually work. Um, and it's that really everything that I didn't think would happen is happening now. Um, getting married soon. Um, you know, I have a, own a house. I have a really good job. I have, good relationship with my family. So that's all because I just, I stuck with it. So just keep showing up is really the best advice I could have given myself then. Thank you all again for spending your time with us today on the anonymous podcast. I encourage you all to focus on that magic six letter word others as we go out into the world. Stop by the Facebook page, fellowship with other guests or send me a text. Let me know if you'd like to be a guest or if you have any ideas on future podcasts. Until next time, I'm your host, Douglas L. Namaste and God bless. Mm-hmm.